everyone. It is Monday, October 14th, 2019, and you're listening to an episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I am your host, Brad Ezelike, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, and car whatever. It's been a good six weeks since the most recent episode of the show, and many apologies to those of you who count on it. Uh, It's been a busy end to the summer. Uh, We spent a good chunk of the past, well, two months or so uh, searching for a car for my SO. We'll talk a bit about that here at the end. Uh, We'll kind of touch on a couple of car events, I guess, here at the beginning that kind of went on over the summer. Uh, We had uh, Radwood here in Michigan, finally, and uh, had an absolutely fantastic time over in Detroit checking out some of the best of the best from, well, what, 1984 to 2000-ish. A lot of really cool cars I've never seen in person. A lot of really cool cars uh, I haven't seen since I was maybe four or five years old. Uh, It was great. One of the standout vehicles, in my opinion, was this uh, Peugeot station wagon. I don't remember if it was technically a 504 or not, uh, but that car was absolutely incredible. Top to bottom, my mom had a Peugeot, not a station wagon, but a Peugeot sedan for a short amount of time, and uh, it was very cool uh, reliving some of those memories, seeing that car in motion uh, once again. There was also a really, really, really well-kept Dodge Caravan. I want to say it was like an 86, 87, somewhere around there. It was one of the older but not quite original Dodge Caravans, mint condition from Chrysler's private collection. Uh, It was gold and yellow and brown in the best of ways, and it really made me want to go back to when uh, I was a kid thinking about how much I hated these stupid minivans, and now as an adult I go, wow, these things are absolutely perfect. Uh, It's a weird way that life kind of changes your perspective. On some of those things. So that was a ton of fun over in Detroit. Of course, there was a ton of car news in the interim about the Chevy Corvette C8 uh, between the coupe, the uh, convertible, as well as the C8R that debuted last week at the Atlanta uh, Raceway for the Petit Le Mans. Uh, The new CAR is looking like it's going to be a major threat uh, to Ferrari and Porsche next year, Uh, so I'm pretty excited to see what that ends up doing. Uh, I did see a C8 in person at the Radwood show, and, you know, I'm... I'm convinced that the platform, the layout of the car, is going to dramatically increase its sporting capabilities. It's going to be an absolute hoot to drive. I just don't really care for the looks, personally. Uh, The one I saw uh, out there in the parking lot was white. Uh, It is typically a color that I would say I would prefer for the car. But it just gave it some weird looks, and, you know, maybe it's something I just got to see more often to get more used to it. But I'm just not... Not in love with the way the C8 ended up looking, so that's just me. Now, one thing I am in love with in terms of looks uh, that was announced kind of in between where we're at is the uh, Land Rover Defender. Uh, The new Defender is going to be coming to the United States for the first time since the late 90s. Uh, This all-new Defender is based on a brand new chassis. It's got some shared engines and transmissions with other Land Rover uh, vehicles and things like that Uh, but the big thing is going to be that you know this is a extremely capable off-road vehicle available as essentially what a two three-door 
SUV or a full-out four or five-door uh, thing, you can option it down to a very base utilitarian level, or you can really load it up to the gills uh, and make it a full-on luxury cruiser. And uh, I find that incredibly exciting and really strangely obtainable. Uh, it's it's around the 50-ish thousand dollar range, which is apparently where this thing's gonna start with some modest options. Uh, I have to say, I think I would rather spend the money on a Land Rover compared to a Jeep Wrangler if it were my own money. Uh, but that being said, uh, resale values, all that stuff, whew, it gets a little bit messy. And maybe that's definitely something worth talking about in a later episode. Uh, but it is something I guess we're going to kind of touch on a little bit again towards the end. But anyway, what we're talking about this week is some car news. Uh, we've got some stuff coming out from Porsche, from Chevrolet, from Ford. Uh, and then I wanted to talk a bit about used cars, uh, specifically uh, some Reuters reporting about used car values and kind of compare that to where I was shopping for this most recent used car purchase and where I might need to be going after that uh, for myself. So after the bump... Some news stories starting off with Porsche. All right, as promised, uh, some Porsche news. Uh, Porsche announced today that they have an all-new Taycan joining the Taycan family, uh, which currently includes the Turbo and Turbo S model. Uh, this, however, this new one is the 4S, the more pedestrian Taycan. Now, if you've been sleeping under a rock, you might not know that the Taycan is the new midsize luxury EV that's gunning for Tesla Model S money. Uh, Porsche pulled the wraps off the Turbo and Turbo S model earlier this summer. Uh, both cars accelerating from 0 to 60 in well under 3 seconds. Uh, top speeds in excess of 150 miles an hour. Uh, these things are crazy. Uh, but the big thing is with the Taycan Turbo and Turbo S is that they're really focused in on performance and driving feedback and really being a rewarding, sporty EV, whereas the Taycan 4S is meant to be more of a normal car. Uh, the Taycan 4S is going to be gunning directly for the Tesla Model S 300, or excuse me, not 300, 1000D, whatever the new current standard luxury one is. Uh, the Taycan 4S is going to have a standard 76 kilowatt hour battery and be have an optional much larger, I think it's like 96 or 97 kilowatt hour battery. Uh, range has not been announced by Porsche. Some people are expecting it to be less than the Turbo and Turbo S, uh, but it seems to me, at least with those two cars being so focused on sportiness and having those rather low WLTP ranges of around 230 to 270 miles, uh, the 4S, I feel like, should be in that 230, 250 range, uh, just because it's not going to be gunning for that outright performance aspect uh, compared to the other two cars. Now, there will be some options missing. There will be some interesting capabilities that are going to kind of dive out of there. But uh, I think overall, what you're getting is a very good uh, Tesla Model 3 competitor. Uh, the Taycan 4S is going to start at about $105,000. And just like any other Porsche, you add one option and it quickly rockets right up the scale. Uh, it's going to be a great battle, I think, between the two cars. It's really going to show the know-how that Porsche has to build a car that's 
very quality oriented, likely very reliable, uh, will likely hold its value pretty well. Um, will it hold its value as much as a Tesla? I think that's kind of anyone's guess at this point. Uh, but I think long term, I got to kind of give it to Porsche here. I don't know. Uh, the other thing is going to be sizing. I'm, I'm a little confused as to which car is bigger. I think the Model S might be a little bit larger because that's closer in size to a Panamera. The Taycan's like 85% the size of a Panamera from what I understand. So again, depends on where you're shopping, depends on what your priorities are with which vehicle is going to be uh, the main thing for you. But the good news is if Porsche is making this, if they sell a lot of them, that means that Mercedes, BMW, all these other car companies are going to jump in that same segment of the market. And that means the clock is ticking for Tesla to bring some updates to the Model S uh, just to make it a little more class competitive. And I think that's really what Elon Musk wanted. And it's what he's talked about a lot is that by them forcing the market to really join in and where they're at, uh, it's going to create a lot of innovation, push a lot of people into electric vehicles, and really change the way we shop for new cars in the not-too-distant future. So next up, a car that I know we've talked about quite a few times on this show, and that is the new Ford Fusion replacement. Uh, the new Ford Fusion is meant to be a Subaru Outback competitor, and uh, based on the spy photos that were released earlier today, uh, it is very much a Subaru Outback competitor. Uh, I think one of the big things is at least for me when I think of the Subaru Outback, is how big the vehicle actually is, but you don't always think about it. Uh, I You park next to one, you're like, oh my god, this thing is towering over my little normally sized car. Uh, it's really wild to think of that. And, you know, the other big thing is thinking about how many of these that Subaru sells. Uh, it's one of their top selling cars here in the United States. And, you know, a big part of that is their reliability, their dependability, their safety, but also their capability. And really the other big thing is it's relatively unchallenged in the marketplace. Uh, for a long time, the only other car that has competed with the Subaru Outback has been the Volvo XC70. And as Volvo has continued to move up market, at least in terms of luxury and refinement, uh, it's basically left an entire market wide open to Subaru. Uh, these new Ford Fusions, whatever they're going to be, uh, is gunning straight for the Subaru. And I think they're going to be taking a lot of what they've learned with the new Ford Escape and applying it to this new Fusion just based on the front and rear fascia alone. Uh, it's got a lot of corporate elements in the headlights and taillights. I would imagine the interior is going to be ripped directly from the Escape, if not the Explorer, or a combination of both. And I really think, you know, Ford's going to be trying to beat them on price, beat them on content. Uh, but ultimately, I think that's going to be kind of tough. Uh, if you haven't checked out an Outback lately, or really many Subarus, they come with a lot of really great standard equipment. Ford tends to be a little more stingy on that. Uh, they option these things up all the way. They ship them out to dealers, and then the dealers take thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars off to get them to sell them to you. Um, this new... Fusion's going to have to really work that, and I hope that Ford gets smart about some of these pricing schemes, some of these packaging schemes, but I'm not getting my hopes up. I think the bigger question for me is going to be how they make this a Subaru Outback competitor. Uh, the Outback, of course, uses a really dependable powertrain, uh, a pretty decent all-wheel drive system. They really are selling on the 
uh, what's the safe and sound mentality. Um, because people know Subarus are pretty good in the snow, because they know that Subarus are pretty good, uh, really in all weather conditions, uh, that's the big selling point. Nothing's going to go wrong. And Ford's got to do the same thing with this car. Uh, I'm really hoping that they package in something along the lines of the uh, 2.3 liter EcoBoost engine with a 10-speed automatic. Uh, match that to the four-wheel drive, excuse me, all-wheel drive system uh, that was formerly under the Ford Focus RS, but now has been adapted to a wide number of vehicles. Uh, that seems like a very smart choice. Whether or not that ultimately ends up being where they go, I don't know. It would probably drive the price of the vehicle up a bit and make the fuel make the fuel efficient efficiency go down a good bit more uh, but using off-the-shelf parts seems like a smart idea I also wouldn't be completely surprised if they uh, didn't offer a hybrid version in the not too distant future as well uh, but that being said you know this thing's got to get unveiled first it could happen as early as the Los Angeles Motor Show here next month uh, more likely probably the Chicago Auto Show in February, uh, but if they're not announcing this until Detroit in June of next year, uh, it's far, far too late. So hopefully someone at Ford is getting this thing scraped together ASAP. I have a feeling we're going to start seeing a lot more prototypes uh, rolling around. This seems like it's one of the worst kept secrets uh, in automotive news as of late, so I'm definitely interested to see where it ends up. So one last interesting news story before we break off to talk about used cars, and that is these running bits of information about a new Silverado ZR2. Now, you might recognize the ZR2 nameplate from the Colorado pickup truck, and the uh, Colorado ZR2 has been really well regarded as well, basically being a micro Raptor competitor. Uh, the Colorado ZR2 has got locking front and rear differentials. It's got pretty trick uh, multi-valve suspension uh, that was kind of originally designed for Formula One cars, and then it went on the Chevy Camaro Z28. Now it's on a pickup truck. Uh, but altogether, this package ended up being a pretty affordable, uh, very capable truck that impressed a lot of people. And Chevrolet recently kicked out some uh, images and information about a pre-runner pickup truck thing that's going to be competing in the or competing in the Baja 1000, or at least I think it's the Baja 1000, uh, that includes some of those multi-valve suspension bits. Uh, seems to include some of those differential lockers. Uh, has a lot of graphics and looks to it that are very similar to the Colorado ZR2 and. You know, people think there's going to finally be a Raptor competitor coming out of Detroit that doesn't have a Ford badge on it, and that is a little exciting. I think the big thing for me here is that why did it take so long? Why did they wait so long to finally do something to compete with the Raptor? Uh, the Raptor brought in a lot of extra sales from outside of Ford. It stole people away from GM and Chevy, or excuse me, GM and Chrysler in a way that I think those two brands didn't necessarily expect. And ultimately, you know, it, it reshaped the pickup truck market uh, in an image that Ford wanted to see. And, you know, it's it's shocking to me that it's taken Chevy so long. Now, what I would really 
want to hope for is that GM, Chevrolet, whoever's spearheading this project uh, is looking to push some boundaries a little bit more. I'd love to see a turbocharged engine under the hood. I'd love to see this thing try to be as lightweight as possible uh, with that carbon fiber tailgate. Uh, it really seems like this would be a great test bed for a lot of new pickup truck technology. Uh, but the big problem, of course, is that, well, the Silverado isn't selling. Uh, it dropped down to being the third place uh, pickup truck in the market. Uh, people just really don't like this truck. Uh, and, you know, if the attention isn't there, there's not going to be a lot of a big push uh, to make this thing have a huge splash. So hopefully GM knows something that we don't. Um, but until we get more firm details, uh, it's not worth really talking about a whole lot. So last up, I want to talk a bit about used cars and specifically, well some of my experience, some of the weird things that are going on with the market today. Uh, used car prices are obscenely high, according to this uh, article that was published on Reuters the other day and talked about at length on Jalopnik. Uh, according to this report, uh, compared to 10 years ago, the average used car price is up 75%. And kind of to give some context, new car pricing is up as well um, by about 25%. No one really has a particularly good explanation as to why there are a lot of different pieces and there are a lot of different ways to kind of look at this. Uh, one of the easy ways to kind of put blame on something is, of course, cash for clunkers. Uh, it really kind of took out a huge chunk of the bottom end of the market. Uh, some people specifically blame that for getting rid of super low-priced cars. Other people say it was hogwash. These things didn't sell well to begin with, uh, and it really made no difference. Uh, the other big thing that people have been kind of citing as to why these used car prices are so crazy is because people are keeping used cars for so long. Uh, a lot of used cars, uh, I think of the average age of a used car these days is somewhere around 14 to 15 years uh, that people end up keeping them. Uh, average mileages are starting to knock on the door of 200,000 miles before people start to dump them. And the good news is that because consumers have demanded that cars become so reliable, that they're lasting this long, uh, it's also meaning that there are fewer and fewer options available out on the road today uh, for people who are trying to shop for something that's somewhat reasonable. Uh, myself, in particular, you know, I had been looking for quite some time trying to find a car to replace uh, my girlfriend's uh, 2015 Jeep Renegade. Uh, the simple truth of the matter is that as much as we liked the Renegade, it was far too expensive to keep uh, with its lease price. Uh, it was far too expensive to keep when it came to fuel economy. And it was far too expensive to keep uh, in terms of, you know, having something to, well, not have to repair within the next couple of years. Uh, as such, we ended up going for a used Toyota Camry after looking at a wide number of options, going from everything from a Prius and a Corolla uh, to some small crossovers. The Camry really kind of stuck out as the best choice overall, simply because one, you get a lot of car for your money. Two, the fuel economy is actually pretty good. And three, in terms of reliability, you have to do almost nothing to keep them on the road. So we ended up going with a 2004 Camry XLE. Uh, we got one with the four-cylinder. Uh, the 04, of course, is the ones that did not have the five-speed automatic. They still had the four-speed automatic that had been made for nearly, uh, well, the better part of a decade before that. 
And uh, ultimately, you know, we're pretty happy with the car. It's got leather seats, it's, they're heated, it's got automatic climate control, a sunroof. It's really a great car. But kind of going back to where things are very overrated, uh, there's a bit of a story to also compare to this. Also about a 2004 Toyota Camry XLE we looked at. Uh, the one in particular was listed at our local Toyota dealer uh, here in Grand Rapids. And uh, the car, you know, was really something I stumbled across almost by accident. Uh, I had gone to the dealer to look at a Toyota Corolla that was arguably very overpriced for the condition it was in. Uh, just by looking at the car, I could tell it had a rough life to some extent. And... Uh, as such, I completely walked away. But as I was walking away, I noticed this Camry kind of sitting there, took it for a drive, had the V6, had all the options on it. God, it was a great car. But then thinking about it, you know, they had it stickered at $9,000. And that was just outrageous. Uh, I, did, I did my research. I dug into a lot of things. I talked to some people I know. And, you know, the consensus really seemed to be that this car was worth 58 to 62 and I offered the dealer 62 and I basically got told to get the fuck out uh, it was really a weird experience and at least last I checked the car was still available at the dealership and they actually called me uh, asking to see if I was still interested in it not too long ago and I basically told them to well I didn't quite tell them to get fucked but I told them how upset I was about the way that this deal went down and how they basically lost, you know, seven-ish grand in sales uh, because they didn't want to haggle on price. Uh, when they had told me to basically get out, they said that they knew that they were going to sell it for $9,000 because that's where the market is. And, you know, when you consider that this car probably also would have been worth nine or ten grand in 2009, well, maybe not that less, but, you know, would have been hovering in the 15-ish grand range. Uh, you gotta be kidding me to think that it's only gonna go down $4,000 in that time frame. Uh, it's, it's just wild to me where some of these cars are holding their values at, and it's really kind of causing a lot of problems. Uh, a lot of folks who are less well-to-do that don't quite have the money for a brand new car but need to get some basic transportation are taking on these really high-risk, long-term, high-interest-rate car loans that just aren't serving them well and put them in a deeper and deeper hole and when they got to do a repair or anything else uh, they just can't make those ends meet and it really really sucks uh, in this article that was posted on Jalopnik they were talking to some other people uh, who work for car gurus and they were saying that the number of ads that were placed that were less than $10,000 on their website had basically disappeared uh, no real used cars that are worth looking at are less than 10 grand anymore and that really excludes a high number of people overall now i think the big back side to that is of course how many used car advertisements are up on craigslist and how many have gone to the facebook marketplace uh, i wouldn't trust facebook marketplace as far as i can throw it just because of the kind of people who still use facebook on a regular basis nevertheless uh even on craigslist you know so those deals can be few and far between uh, we sourced our Camry from Craigslist. We ended up getting a pretty good deal from a guy who lives not too far from where I grew up. 
Uh, it, it was a pretty well-kept car, all things considered. Mechanically, visually, there were some things that weren't super great about it, but you know, for the basic transportation that we need, keeping it for two or three years, uh, it's going to get the job done, and that's really what we want. So, you know, if you're out there looking for a used car, I wish you the best of luck. I'm starting to do the dance for what I want to do next year already uh, by putting in the time, putting in the research, getting an idea of what I want, and, uh, you know, it, it's. I know it's going to take some time, and it's definitely worth the extra work. So, be vigilant. Hopefully the economy doesn't get any worse. And uh, if it does, I would say hold on with what you got because, uh, you know, if anything, used car values are only going to continue to drive upward over the next couple of years. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Eiseldike, and you can follow me on Twitter at YSSMAN, and you can follow along with episodes of this podcast at anchor.fm slash salvage title. Uh, we do post this podcast for free in a wide variety of podcasting platforms, including Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Uh, so if you aren't subscribed, hit that subscribe button, and if you hear something that you do like, make sure you share it with somebody else uh, who may enjoy some of this content. Sweet, sweet, delicious content. Well, with all that in mind, guys, we hope to see you soon on the next episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. Hopefully a little bit sooner than two months, but hey, you never really know. Until then, guys, drive safe, have a great fall, and we'll see you very soon.